McGill and uh, really excited to be with you here today and uh, bring this podcast episode to you. And uh, today we have Sam Breend and me and Sam spoke, this was originally uh, about a year and a half ago at the Youth Baseball Summit and Sam was one of the lead instructors for Driveline Baseball and since then Sam has been hired by the New York Yankees as their pitching director and uh, man, the journey of Driveline Baseball is so uh, so interesting and just just a uh, really good example of not wanting to dismiss something because it's new. And uh, there's a saying, I think it was Gandhi who said it, and it says, at first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. And if that's not the story of driveline baseball, then I don't know what is. Because these guys for the last few years have just been mocked by the establishment, right? These guys have all their little fancy uh, equipment and they're measuring their data. What are they trying to launch a rocket ship here with all their, all their uh, testing, right? And they've got these heavy balls and all the old establishment of uh, baseball people were just like, they're just, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel and they're tearing these kids' elbows because of these heavy balls. And uh, fast forward to present day, and there are not enough driveline people for Major League Baseball to hire, right? Like, they are just being swooped up left and right because they're all about just testing, right? And so they're trying new things. They're they're using biomechanics, how to uh, be efficient and, you know, testing how it worked. And then they revise their methods and test again, right? And so what they've done is just had done a tremendous job of creating velocity. And uh, Sam is going to share with us today on some things that we need to do with our younger players and to help get them in a position to to throw hard and to be more efficient with their movements and stay healthy too. So anyway, really excited for driveline baseball. All those guys there, man, like I said, they took so much heat and uh, boy, they, they're coming out like a rose right now and uh, just doing some really good work and really encouraging too, right? Because again, for the longest time, it's been either you got it or you don't, right? You either throw hard or you don't. And uh, what we're learning is that, that uh, velocity can be taught. And so that's really encouraging for a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, they want to go throw 90 miles an hour and get go to college. Well, you know what? That's very possible now. It's more possible now than ever before. So um, anyway, take a listen to this interview with Sam and uh, give him a follow on Twitter. So anyway, without further ado, here is our interview with Mr. Sam Breend. Sam, can you, can you hear me? Here, Clint. Ready to go. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you here. So. Um, you guys cover a lot of different things while over there in driveline, hitting, training, all that sort of thing. You're best known for, at least in our parts, is pitching. And in particular, um, increasing velocity. So um, could you just kind of start out and let us know what your overall philosophy or approach is to training pitchers and, and helping them improve? Yeah. Um, so our philosophy on training pitchers is kind of, uh, it's a very integrated approach. So we're very strength driven um, in the weight room. It's all about movement, force production, rate of force production, that kind of things. Because without being able to do that, if you can't move optimally, you can never actually like express your mechanics. You can never get into good movement. And 
and in truth, I said mechanics here, but I hate the word mechanics because it's all about movement. It's just about okay. how people move. Um, so that's our big focus is guys come in, we hammer weight room stuff. We're in the weight room. We're improving mobility, uh, just setting guys up a, to stay healthy as an injury prevention kind of deal. Um, but also just to be able to fundamentally move how your body wants to move to get the most out of it. Um, and that's where the weighted balls and other stuff come in too, whether you're throwing them low intent, high intent, um, by doing the weighted ball program and doing all of the drills and in those constrained kind of movement patterns, it helps you kind of change your movement and groove yourself to how you're supposed to move. It's just a way to, to elicit that like fundamental movement, how you wanted to move when you, when you were like a kid, you ever seen a kid, like every little kid can just sit in a full body squat. But by the time we're 14, 15, we've sat in a desk, sat in a chair at school so long that you've lost that movement pattern. That's what we're right. just kind of trying to get back is trying to get back good quality movements and allow you to actually express them. And the weighted balls and the constraint drills are just one way to allow us to do that. Along with actually strengthening different things. Our recovery program's huge for our program um, and gaining velocity just because of the eccentric and isometric strengthening that it does. It's just, it's that fully encompassed integrated strength program, rehab program, and then also like the throwing and movement part of it all. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So when you say adding, you know, flexibility and helping them move back, you know, more optimally, like when they were younger. Um, so it's basically, um, how, how do you do that? Is it like through like yoga type stretches or um, so there's a lot of ways just, just moving more aggressively or what? Yeah. So some of it is just the, the mobility work in the weight room. We'll pair things like a 90-90 uh, stretch or an adductor mobility exercise, those kind of things with lifting heavy. Because if you just adding flexibility doesn't actually do anything for you. Like I can't stand it. A guy comes in, most of them it's the guys who've been there um, only like two, three days and you'll see them like got a band around the foot going into like the classic runner's hamstring stretch right there. And just right. by doing that flexibility, it's not it's not the ideal way to do it. Um, you have to have strength through a range of motion. That's what mobility is. And just having that range of motion and not being able to use it, um, it limits you tremendously. And that's what that's what the recovery stuff does on the arm side too, is that like end range of motion with the bands, with the rebounders, that kind of stuff. We're always about strengthening those end range of motion so we can actually get into them and functionally use them. Okay, okay, interesting. So it's not just about being the ear who can do the do you know the the headstand and put his leg yeah. behind his head. You've got to have some uh, explosive power behind that. Is that correct? Oh, for sure. Yeah, okay. and that's why we do a lot of that. So we build. We're very. Um, when a guy comes in, they get an assessment from us. So day one, we get a throwing assessment. Day two, they get a strength assessment. And the strength assessment, we'll test them at different percentages of body weight to kind of see where they fall on the speed strength continuum. Um, and we'll use a tendo unit there to measure bar speed and see where they're at. And a lot of guys, they'll come in and some guys, they'll, they'll either be at the, the end of the range where they can move a heavy weight really quickly, which is great. They, they can produce a lot of force. Um, they can do it decently quickly. But when you get to the lighter weights, you'll often find that they can't move them as quickly. Um, they just okay. haven't trained that explosiveness. They've been in a weight room, especially the older guys, been in a weight room. They've done a ton of like really heavy reps. Uh, so we'll take those guys and shift them into more of a speed focus kind of thing. Let's move lightweight really fast. Or we'll get a younger kid and he just can't, he might actually be better at moving a lighter weight quickly relative to his body mass but he can't move a heavy weight very quickly. So that's where that we need to get his force production up so that we can then increase his rate of force production. And that's kind of one of those things that translates into velocity because the pitching motion is so quick 
and you're putting force into the floor, especially like a lead like block kind of thing where our research has shown that's where the most of the force production and velocity production happens in a throw is we need to be able to block and we need to be able to block really quickly by putting a ton of force into the floor. So that's kind of one of the things we'll train um, through the lifting and mobility because again, mobility, you, you have to have a certain amount of internal rotation, adductor strength, that kind of stuff to actually efficiently block as well. Okay. Okay. Interesting. A lot of good stuff right there. So uh, I want to rewind. I caught something. Lead leg block. Is that what you lead said? Lead leg block. Yes. Yeah. Explain that for me. All right. So lead leg block is the point where the front foot touches down um, in the throw and then that lead leg will stabilize and technically just a block. That lead knee just needs to stop like translating forward. It needs to stop going forward. A lot of younger guys and weaker guys okay. will see that knee kind of continue to shift forward as the body starts rotating um and you'll see it optimally exhibited in a lot of the pro guys like if you watch verlander his front leg almost hyperextends when he throws he puts so much force into the floor and that that force pushes back into that front hip and it causes his torso to rotate right. and obviously we're rotational athletes the quicker you can rotate the harder you're going to throw potentially um, based on a couple other factors as well. But yeah, if you can put a ton of force in that floor and drive that rotation through your block, ideally you're going to throw harder. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, so if I'm, uh, I'm trying to just imagine this, thinking this through. So when that, what you you focus on hitting the ground hard or is it more like the extension of that leg, the extension yeah, of the leg more afterward? It's more of it's the extension of the leg, but I don't want people to get the idea of like, oh, I got to like extend my knee when I make contact with the ground. Right, right. Yeah, really, it's it's if you've trained this correctly and you've done the drills and your your movements sequence properly, most of the time it's going to happen for you. Like that's okay. the thing is if all like ABC happens in order, like the, the sequencing of it all will take place. And if you have the strength and the range of motion to get into that position, likely your body will take you there. Cause that that's how your body wants to move. It's just basic movement stuff. Like if you're throwing everything forward, somebody has got to slam on the brake somewhere for the, everything else to stop moving. So that's where your foot kicks in and it only happens if you actually have the mobility and strength to do it. Okay. Okay. Fascinating. All right. That yep. makes, that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. So, um, okay. So one more thing before we move on from the, the mobility aspect of it. So when a guy comes in, you guys do all these assessments and, yep. uh, when you're doing this mobility training, is it what, like, what does that look like exactly? Is it basically just like, you know, proper, proper form whenever they're doing squats or are you doing, you yeah, know, so side lunges or what does that look like? Um, some of it is proper movement. Now, again, Again, if you don't have the mobility, it's very difficult to do proper movement. So we'll regress certain movements for guys that need regressed. Um, okay. Say a guy can't move properly in a squat. Some of it will limit to just based off anatomical things. If you can't squat all the way down, that may be a mobility issue that you just might not have the hip sockets to actually perform that movement. Okay. Um, but usually we'll include it in a warm up. So we'll start off, do a couple of things to mobilize, then we move in a couple of things to stabilize that movement. Again, we want to strengthen through that new range of motion so it actually stays and is usable. Um, and then we'll oftentimes pair. So if you do a deadlift, we might pair it with an adductor mobility exercise just so that we're increasing that range of motion and then strengthening it too through the lift. Okay, 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 cool. Um, well, that makes sense. So um, another thing that I want to touch on with you is uh, you hear a lot about you know the word intent and effort. Yes. And, and I love the videos of you guys, you know, you're training and you've got guys taking just a running hop like they're a center fielder about to throw a guy out at home 
and just making that face, you know what I mean? And they're just yeah. ready to give it everything. Um, tell me a little bit about what you guys are working on right there. Yeah, so the intense stuff. Um, you're talking about the pull downs that we do where we yeah, you'll get yeah. like a good, I don't know, a 10, 15 yard running start into them. And it's just, it's not so much about like the speed of the run going into it, but it's actually just teaching yourself to move faster. And a lot of guys, especially as kids, they've been told to throw strikes, throw strikes, throw strikes, which is really important. And we do right. a lot of stuff that we can talk about later on about how we are developing better ways to teach kids how to throw strikes. Um, yeah. But if you can't throw hard, you can't like teach your body to move quicker then it's also kind of pointless because velocity is the floor in this game. Like if you. you don't throw 92, you're probably not getting picked up. There are guys who do, but more than likely, like velocity is the floor. You have yeah. to have that before we can move into other stuff. So that, that intent is just a big faster in creating velocity. We have to move quick. We have to rotate faster. And that the pull downs are just a great way to teach that. Okay. Okay. So that so the only focus there for um, for the pitchers is basically just to throw it as hard as they can i mean that's yeah. like that looks like what they're working on i didn't know if there was something that I mean, else was going on but if so they're throwing, throwing weighted balls yeah they throw weighted balls too but the main focus we focus a lot on external cues especially in our high intent days where we're not going to talk about mechanics it's not like all right um your lead leg block like that hip needs to try and push back we need to get out we need to maintain like a good trunk stack like it's just let a guy go throw it as hard as i can and a lot of times the body is going to optimally sequence itself in that movement to get the higher throw out. Like if you see a guy out there and he pulls down a 95 with a five ounce baseball and you tell him to throw a 97, like to get that 97, he has to move better. Right. And that way, yeah, just by constantly drilling that and having those guys throw plus throwing the weighted balls kind of helps in that sequencing um, realm. Guys get better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I've, um, you know, I've, I've got a son that's eight years old and, um, we work, you know, worked with that age group a lot and, uh, you see a lot of kids who, you know, their stance, they never, as far as hitters go anyway, they, you know, they don't load up properly. They, they don't quite stride out as much. And then we'll put up on a tee, one of those, it's not a fly ball, but it's one of those little heavy sand balls yeah. type thing. You know what I mean? And anyway, you say like, hit this ball over the fence. Like Kill I want you to get every, it. yeah. Yeah, and like, and you see an awesome swing come out all of a sudden. Uh, it, it like it, it irons out almost instantly. Like the loading yeah. suddenly gets better. They're stronger, and so I I see what you mean when it comes to, um, you know, just the intensity or whatever. It's like that body. It's just an intuitive. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. me as a coach having to say, well, if hey, you tell your boss, hey, you have to this is going to be better. It's just like, man, get that ball over the fence, and then they yeah. just figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. the body wants to do it. Like right. if you have to exert maximal force, the body's going to find the best way for your anatomy to exert maximal force. And it's just, we've trained a generation of pitchers to be lower intent because we need to throw strikes. We need to throw command. We're really, if we just had guys like our best athletes are youth athletes who just threw it as hard as they could. I mean, right. purely their movements are the best. They look great. And if we just had more of that in like youth, you don't like, Outside of doing arm care stuff, that's all youth pitchers really need. Do some arm care stuff. They can do they can do some other things too, of course. Um, but just throw it as hard as you can. Your body's going to teach itself to move appropriately. Right, right, yeah. And that's where it comes into the uh, the the uh, trade off that you always get in youth baseball, especially. You know what I mean? It's like we need to win today, and we need you to throw a lot of strikes to get that win. And yeah. uh, backing off of your fastball, you know, just go eighty five percent of what yeah, what just, you got. Just get it over. And, and results are going to be better today. And that's, there's something to be said for that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, 
Um, just like what I've learned with, with the hitting two side is that you've got to be taking some time to just really be well, like grinding your teeth and like yeah, getting after it, it, you know, whether it's a practice or what, but time needs to be spent to the, grow that, to grow that, you know, that, uh, that span of what you got there. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. And it, it kills me a little bit with the youth game is that we, we put so much, there should be an emphasis on winning because we don't want to breed a generation that's okay with mediocrity. We want them to pursue winning. We want them to be enjoy winning, but right. at the same time, you also, your job as a youth coach is to develop kids. You want to develop athletes. And by telling them to go less than 100%, doesn't allow them to fully develop. And it also makes it harder when they get older. Um, Bauer has said this a couple of times. Like he's trained so long at high intent that his movement sequence better when he throws the ball as hard as he can. And he can actually has better command than when he dials it down a little bit. And he can, he can dial it down. Like he'll run it up to 97 and move better and have better command. Versus when he dials it down to like 93 and kind of pushes strikes in there. Sort of I got you. But I got that's you. Train that. Where another guy taking a 20 year old in college who's been told his whole life, hey, you got to throw strikes. And he he's perfectly dialed in at 80%. That's the same reason like guys throw flat grounds. They can hit spots in a flat ground all day. And as soon as they get on the mound, they're spraying it all over, trying to throw it max intent. They just don't train there but they spend all day at 70% in a flat ground, just dotting spots. You train at 70%, you're going to be good at 70%. Train at 100%, you're going to be good at 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. And that's Trevor Bauer. People who didn't listen, Trevor they just Bauer, heard yeah, Bauer there. He's a disciple there. So is he uh, Is he there this offseason as well? Yeah, Trevor, Trevor's been here. He's thrown two, three live ABs already. Um, he's an animal. Okay. That, guy, that guy knows how to train. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, he's he's been a guy that um, – you know, I've you, everybody's heard of him. Most people follow him along from UCLA, and um, you know, was always kind of an outside of the box thinker. From you know, I don't know the guy or whatever, but that's always been his reputation. Yeah, and uh, sounds like he was always interested in improving. And if there was a new way to do that, he was on board. And so I think that speaks pretty highly that he's you know he he's uh, you know a driveline guy. So you could call him that. Yeah. But uh, um, anyway, but let's get back to the weighted balls a little bit because that's another thing that um, I'm hearing a lot of people. They're just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get weighted balls for my kids. And, and people are like, well, that's dangerous. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. you know, but there's a lot of people that seem to be adding velo by using these weighted balls. So what's, yeah. um, how do you guys use it? How do you do it safely? What can you tell us about that? Um, so to do it safely, it, it, weighted balls could be dangerous if the programming is bad. Like if you're out there just ripping four pound balls as hard as you can all day without a clue what you're doing, like that, that's definitely a negative thing. Um, right. and that, that could definitely increase your risk for injury in a hurry. Um, our, our programming. So a guy comes in, he gets an assessment. Um, if he doesn't clear the assessment safely, then we put him in what we call an on-ramping phase where they throw laded balls. It's the plyo balls to kind of improve movement. It's not the like hard, firm weighted balls. Um, okay. So they'll throw like the colored plyo balls, the little rubber squishy ones. Um, but it's all low intent work to kind of improve movement patterns while we hammer out whatever issues. So they they lack shoulder strength to be able to handle it. The mobility screen was poor. Like we'll correct those issues and we keep retesting them every four weeks while they're here so that till we reach a point where they can pass and actually safely train with weighted balls. Um, once they've done that, then we have various days. So we usually, for most pitchers, we do two high intent days a week. Um, these kind of vary depending on what the pitcher's needs are, because uh, we we try to individualize our program to the athlete's needs as much as possible. Um, 
I gotcha. I gotcha. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, um, you know, throwing strikes. You said that there's methods yeah. that you guys have that, um, you know, can kind of help that too. What, what, so what are you guys working on over there? Yeah. So we've always kind of traditionally used, we use weighted balls in that too. Weighted balls help develop proprioception. That's another great benefit to throwing them. Um, proprioception. Say, say, that word one more, say that word one more time for me. I, I like those big ones. Proprioception. So it's basically okay. just feel. Um, that's the, roughly what it boils down to. But if you ever pick up a six ounce ball and you throw it, usually it goes high. And you pick up a four ounce ball and you throw it, you usually spike it. Okay. Um, yeah, so then it's just continuing to kind of develop that feel. Um, based off the idea of contextual interference, we've kind of developed programs that randomize it based off an athlete's skill level with throwing strikes, because that's all throwing strikes is. It's a skill. Right. So you have to train that skill. Um, so we'll take that, we'll randomize them, we'll start with just different weights, and we're also now playing with smaller and larger balls. Again, it changes the feel. Guys might spike it, guys might throw it high with a larger ball, and only 5% bigger and smaller than a baseball. But by mixing in these different kind of feels, we can help guys find a better, like they can repeatedly throw the ball where they want, just because they're used to a greater range of uh, spectrums of weights and sizes that now this helps them as soon as they pick up a ball, no matter what it is, they can fire it in there and they're much more likely to throw a strike just because they've trained that skill and that proprioceptive feel. Really? Huh? That's interesting. That's, uh, yep. I, I hadn't heard that before. I remember, uh, after my playing days were over, I played adult league softball with my neighbor and, uh, this, you know, this yeah. thing's gigantic and I oh, would yeah. sail that thing. I would like, somebody going time. home and like, I'm about to like unload <laughs> and you know, here I've used to play pro ball and people are thinking they're going to see something yeah. out of me. You know what I mean? And I'm like firing it off the backstop. I'm like, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry guys. You're, but, you're uh, used to throwing that, what is it, a nine inch baseball? Yeah. And you pick up that thing and you just, you, it's the proprioceptive feel. You're not used to it. So just changing it a little bit and all baseballs are a little bit different size and a little bit different weight. Right. Um, yeah. So, but just by mixing it up, you develop that ability to fire it in there. Interesting. So have you guys done studies on that? Like it's shown that, we're, um, that guys have been able to right dot now. that a little better? Okay. Yeah, that, that's what we're testing right now, um, especially with the different size balls. So hopefully, hopefully if our results come out pretty good, then we'll be, we'll be moving that forward, a new product potentially. Yeah, I was about to say, what, what, what are you guys using to, to throw these things? Like if somebody wanted to test it at home, I mean, is it basically just find a softball and throw it? Or, or what do you yeah, guys so, over there? Um, the science of it kind of, and we see this in our weight of ball. That's why we don't do anything above the seven ounce or below the three ounce. Um, it's okay. just purely because the farther you get from competition size, the less translation it has to your actual competitive event. So if sense. you if you go like throwing a softball is likely a little bit too big. That's why we right. stuck in the five percent range. Um, so I'm not sure if there's anything in store that'll perfectly match up with that. You could try it for sure. I mean, it definitely couldn't hurt to play with that if you're at home want to get a little crazy throw a golf ball in there and a softball um but right. likely the transfer effect isn't going to be as good as if it's closer to a baseball but just like a big enough gap to feel different okay so you guys are using something that uh that just homemade yeah. basically um no we've actually we've come up this isn't one of them but we've come up with a set of uh leather weighted balls currently that we're testing well, right now yeah, and that's what I meant. Something that you guys made, yeah. like it wasn't something you bought at a store or anything like no, that. No, 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 something no, no, developed. Something, yes. you know, obviously, you know, uh, legitimate or what have you. But uh, 
yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah, I was just curious as to what you guys were using. So that's interesting. So um, definitely I'll, uh, underneath this video, we'll put some links to some of the stuff you guys with the products. You guys have just some really interesting stuff yeah. going on. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, you guys have a program for um, for all ages. You've got you know an older age and then a younger age with mm -hmm. hacking the kinetic chain. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that program, please? Yeah, so we have hacking the kinetic chain youth. And then we have the adult version as well. Um, the youth definitely focuses more on the arm care, where the adult obviously focuses on the arm care, but it also has the pull-down throws and a lot more of the heavy ball throws. Um, the youth version is more of just an introduction of how you can kind of start implementing that. And then as they get older, obviously, then you get the full board program and you can get guys going. Um, all of those come with strength programs and throwing programs that you can access online. And we have them pretty much for everything, whether you're whether you're looking to start in January here, even though you're about to go into season, we have programs for that to the guy who's taking a gap year and he's got plenty of time to fully on-ramp and go through full velocity phases and, and everything. Okay, okay, interesting. So um, we say when the youth program doesn't have the pull-downs, is that something that you recommend for older kids or is that or, or is that something that just doesn't get covered or would you recommend pull-downs for a younger, like, you know, pre-puberty type age group or, or what are your thoughts um, on probably that? We're probably not pulling down with the younger kids. Um, it's more of just kind of letting their bodies develop. A strength training is much more important for the, the younger athletes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I saw on your website, um, one of the best things that I read on there was that it's less mechanical based, but it's more of the um, just being an athlete. You know what I mean? And yes. uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that because you don't want a kid. Um, you know, I remember a guy playing college. I mean, he was older, but I mean, he was, uh, he, you know, he would look in the mirror all day long and, and do like the, you know what I mean? Oh, he had yeah. like, his, there was something he was doing with his wrist or something or his elbow and yeah. uh, it's becoming just so mind, um, you know, just screwed that he was, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't go out there and function. And so I think yeah. that at a young age is probably a, a big mistake for a 10, 12 year old kid. Oh yeah. And uh, still growing, maybe growing. Really, really or, anybody. You know, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many how many pro guys we've had who've just been the same way. They've been mechanically driven that so long in their lives that now, like, they're expecting some like mechanical tweak. And really, it's just like improve your strength so that you can actually access full range of motion, increase that range of motion, and then just go throw things hard. Like your body wants to optimize itself. If you just do the right things, everything else is going to take care of itself. I mean, there might be some little tweaking that you have to do here and there, but more often than not, like develop strength, develop mobility, go chuck it, have some fun with it. Just let it happen. Uh, that's good. That's good. But before we get rid of mechanics altogether, I mean, when you see guys come in, um, is there something that you commonly see on the mechanics side? I mean, I've heard yeah. you know, something on like shoulder tilt, like guys are a little yeah. too level. I mean, what, what so, advice do you have that you see guys making mistakes on? Yeah. So I definitely believe there is, there is a time for these internal cues and to actually talk about mechanics or movement. Um, and that's one of them. Trunk stacking is what we call it, where the guy just comes forward too soon. He, they're like overly aggressive in their throw a lot of the times where they just want to throw hard too early instead of okay. letting their body kind of work and they just get out ahead of everything. They're a little tilted instead of like kind of keeping that weight shift back and letting, letting their body kind of translate forward. Oh, okay. um, that's one of the big ones. And then some of it comes into mobility or not, but just not being able to like retract the scap. And some of it's just how guys have been taught to pick up a baseball. Or the like arm swing on the way back, whether they turn the ball away from them, point the ball to second base, things like that, like changing some of those motions, you'll have to do some mechanical work for. 
Um, right. Okay. It, okay. Yeah. Just breaking old poor movement patterns. That would that'd be the big thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't ignore mechanics altogether. You know what I mean? No, you, uh, and so yeah. it's, it's always nice to hear just like, a, you know, a few little things that, uh, that you guys see that, uh, and you guys have advanced pitchers come in there and work, you know what I mean? This isn't just yeah. some, you know, 13 year old that's, you know, not going to go for it. You know what I mean? So to see, um, you know, what kind of mistakes or what things guys can kind of look at at an earlier yeah. age. I mean, really, you know, if, out, so. if you get a good feel for what the drills are supposed to accomplish, um, like the pivot picks, when you do a pivot pickoff, um, if you can clean those moving patterns up, a lot of times they translate into the actual throw. So just hammering home some basics of the drill, uh, get driving into scapper traction, keeping the hand kind of in a supinated position, those kind of things, letting the elbow kind of lead forward as the trunk rotates. Those things are all great. And that'll actually clean up the bigger mechanics when they actually come to like a fully unconstrained throw and you're just like go throw it hard then it the body just kind of does it so we use the drills a lot to do the the mechanical work for us okay okay and if somebody were at home if they didn't have the ability to fly out there to washington and uh and to go check you guys out is there some yeah. place that you guys you explain do. these drills is there are there programs that you guys offer or what uh what what can people where, where can people learn more about the supinated hand and the elbow and yeah all that kind of thing? Um, so definitely read our blog. We cover a lot of it in the blog. We have videos out on YouTube uh, that do somewhat explaining it. But if you really want to get like in depth with it, actually see full explanations, we have high speed videos of everything um, where we kind of break the drills down. You got to do hacking the connect chain. That's got everything, all online resources. Um, you can even download the book online once you purchased it. Um, so you can have an actual hard copy and then have one on your computer if you're ever traveling or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and that breaks down everything, how we do the drills, videos of them, covers it all. Okay, okay, yeah, that's great, that's great, yeah, and if anybody is not following them on Facebook or, you know, their social media channels, Facebook, I recommend Twitter, it. Instagram. And all, all of them, yeah, and they do, uh, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just boring drills, I mean, they make it interesting, the live at-bats, and there's like, some, whoever's editing is like putting some effort in, you know what I mean, like it's not Our just Our content like, team is great, they they definitely they definitely do some good work. Yeah, yeah, it's fun, it's really fun stuff, and uh, really interesting too, I mean, like, I, I can't explain to you, there's a lot of guys online who are just kind of like, you know, just throwing you-know-what against the wall, and, uh, so, you know, repeating what they heard years ago, and, you know, these are guys who are out here that are um you know really trying to advance the ball here and um and really doing some good work so uh before we leave sam is there any any parting advice for the audience here anything that we that we didn't cover that you'd like to share uh, the big thing for me is especially when you start training when you really start getting into lifting and you're throwing and do this just make sure it's all really well integrated because you can you can crush an athlete's performance and you can do a lot of damage by not properly integrating it. And that just makes sure that you're controlling controlling for the throwing volume and the lifting volume and that kind of stuff going back and forth. Because um, if you're throwing a lot, you can't be lifting as much. You're gonna, it, it'll decrease performance and vice versa. When we have guys in facility who are lifting focused and they like just got here and they have some movement issues and we're just hammering the weight room, the throwing volume's really reduced because that's what's okay. gonna lead to injury. If you think about it in terms of like a dollar bill, Athletes only can spend so much. You can overspend a little bit, but they need time to recover that. And if you're just crushing them, throwing and lifting all the time, you're way overspending their dollar bill. And if they're not getting enough recovery, that's what leads to injury. So just making sure that you, you properly integrate this and implement it appropriately, um, that saves a lot of needless injury. 
I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, I want to ask a little bit more about that then. Uh, so I know it probably varies for various people. You know what I mean? But like yeah. the throwing day, I mean, is it like, do you have any rules where like you don't lift on the day you threw or like you take two days off of like nothing? Like what does rest look like for you guys? Um, in facility, we tend to do, so if a guy's in a velo phase, say he's pulling down and plyo veloing, uh, okay. we'll usually have them lift three days a week. Um, and those will line up about on their high intent days. So say they're pulling down Monday and plyo velo Friday, they're two big high intent days. We'll also lift Monday, Friday, and then we'll lift Wednesday, that kind of in-between day. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, the, especially the days right after um, their th high intent throwing, they can just focus on recovery. They can come in, they can get some movement prep work in. Um, they'll do their recovery throwing and then they'll mark pro and they'll just, it's really a big focus on recovering and allowing the body to heal back up. Sometimes that's not feasible in season. So we'll have guys lift the day after. And then that third day will be a big recovery day for them. Um, you can also base, have recovery based lifts and stuff like that, of course. Um, right. That's kind of how we do it just because we're also trying to maximize velocity. So we need that, that happy medium to continue to push gains in the weight room and also push the high intent throwing stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You always wonder what rest means for some people. You know what I mean? Whether yeah. that's just like, hey, seven days a week, I'm a grind at it. And uh, you know, a couple of days, yeah. I, I uh, won't do the giant squats. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really that, more I'm hearing on it. Rest, rest is very important. Yeah, there's that mantra in uh, especially over here in America where like no pain, no gain. And right. if you're pushing that much all the time, like you're often often setting yourself back way more than you think you are. Like you, you need those eight, nine hours of sleep every night. You need those days off because that's what allows you to springboard into the next phase. Um, especially like when it comes to a deload week, that's probably the biggest thing athletes hate. We have every fourth week, whether it's throwing or lifting both sides of the program, take a deload week where we cut out some of the intensity and some of the volume um, to allow our athletes to heal back up because it helps springboard that next phase of training. It's a, a super compensation effect where you go high intent, high intent, high intent, dial it back a little bit. And then it sets kind of a new baseline for an athlete. He recovers a little more and then he starts training at that higher intent level and it just keeps climbing, climbing, climbing. Um, where if you don't take that time off, oftentimes you'll end up hitting a plateau or worse, you get injured. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I heard you drop the Mark pro. I talked to Gary Reinel who he was singing the praises of Mark pro too. So yeah. I had never heard of this thing and now everybody's nobody's icing. Everybody's using this Mark pro. It's fascinating. Hey. So it's uh, the real research, deal. It sounds like. Yeah. Research on it's great. Our guys love it. Um, Trevor and some of the other guys actually use it in between innings also just kind of to keep blood flow, stay warm. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. You, they, they, they love it. So. There's yeah, definite positive feedback for the Mark Pro. Yeah, good deal, good deal. Well, yeah, well, Sam, um, well, I'll let you go. We appreciate you here sharing uh, sharing all the secrets of, of driveline for you. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here. And uh, Yeah, no problem. So we'll put a link to everything, guys. I'm telling you, check them out. I'm doing some really interesting work. It's worth a look. They've got a lot of different products for arm care, um, just a lot of resources, and these guys are the real deal. So, Sam, uh, just thank you, for, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me.